From BYU Broadcasting's Performance Studio, this is Highway 89. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. In studio, we are so happy and frankly lucky to have the Portland Cello Project today, a group of players with a very diverse background, and those backgrounds are constantly changing as the personnel has gradually changed over the years. Of course, the one thing they all do have in common, they play the cello. And with us today are group members Douglas Jenkins, artistic director of the group, also Skip Von Kusky and Kevin Jackson, both with the group since its very first rehearsal. Also in the group, Diane Chaplin, Sage Coy, and Julian Kosanovic. So what does the Portland Cello Project do? They bring cello to places you wouldn't normally hear it. They've performed everywhere from Prairie Home Companion to touring with heavy metal guitarist Buckethead, yes, we'll talk about that, to sports bars in Texas to punk clubs in Boston and halftime at Portland Trailblazer games, you name it, they've played there. And they play music on the cello you wouldn't normally hear on the instrument, everything from Beethoven to Arvo Pert to instrumental covers of Adele, Kanye West, and Pantera. Finally, they build bridges across all musical communities with a diverse assortment of musical collaborations on stage. The PCP has collaborated with musicians like Peter Yarrow, yes, Peter, Paul, and Mary, the Dandy Warhols, Laura Gibson, Eric Bachman from Crooked Fingers, Matt Heimovich, and the list goes on and on. We'll start with an Elliott Smith song here. We're about to hear the Portland Cello Project with Southern Bell. Thank you. 
Southern Bell, music by Elliot Smith, arranged, performed here by the Portland Cello Project. We'll talk with Douglas Jenkins, artistic director of the ensemble, one of the founding members. Thank you so much for coming today. Thanks for having us. It's a pleasure to be here. You know, you play such a, a diverse repertoire, but you're not throwing in pop songs as a gimmick or a stick. I mean, it's for real. Well, it's... It's kind of both. <laughs> no pretense here. Okay, not just for, but yeah. you bring all the technique of yep, the cello. Definitely, and we try to choose pieces of music that'll, I mean, pop pieces of music that'll, um, that that'll translate well. That, that we can bring something new to, to make something new with. So. Well, we read an interview with the Chicago Tribune with one of the group members, Diane, and they said we found the quote is we found that everything sounds good on a cello. <laughs> Indeed, and really it does. Uh, with over a thousand pieces of music, do you have just some big music library, or is it all on a thumb drive somewhere? Well, well we we at this point they're all on iPads. We read all our music on iPads which will allow us to play, I mean, a completely different show every night, depending. I mean, so, you know, one night we might be in a symphony hall, another night we might be in, in, a, in a rock club, and so we want to have all of our music with us. And we used to carry around big binders full of music, but that was um, <laughs> not, not super practical, so thank goodness for technology. So do you email, here's tomorrow's show, and just send it to everybody? Yeah, pretty much. That's so you're not flipping works. through a thousand, scrolling a thousand pages? No, 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 nothing, nothing that bad. <laughs> well... Bluegrass New Orleans, we read that one time you were thinking, hmm, we haven't really approached that style yet. Is that still waiting to happen, or oh, have you taken a stab? I've, that's, you know, time moves so quickly. I've totally forgotten about that. But yeah, every time we play in New Orleans, um, it's, a, it's a place we want to be in. Some music, the music, is the culture there is so rich that, yeah, maybe that's still in the future. So. <laughs> well, let me ask about this. Uh, you played a, uh, a piece by Elliot Smith, mm -hmm. singer-songwriter, uh, lived till 2003. But... All, uh, I think six different songs on here are songs he wrote, but also you've taken some from song fragments. So how, how did you, how do you even have access to those and what have you done with them? Well, the idea with that was to, to kind of do an homage to Elliot, to his, to his songwriting style, to his compositional style. Um, you know, you think of his lyrics are so wonderful and his voice is so wonderful, but he was such a, a composer as well. And so we decided to try to, to take the music and, um, and really celebrate that compositional aspect of it. Um, and then at the same time, we thought maybe it may be a good thing to do with this record is to create something new as well. So to take little seeds from Elliot's music and and sow them elsewhere and see how they grow. And so those song fragments are, um, they're, they're so, they're completely, uh, you would never recognize them to go with the original piece. <laughs> um, we, we, we look for, um, the strangest part of the, the piece. Elliot always has these these moments in his songs that um that just kind of make you know your hair stand on end, and they're usually they're very fleeting, they're very brief. But we'd try to figure out what is it about that moment, and we'd take it and make it as abstract as possible, and then we'd give it to a, a composer. Most of them are Northwest composers, and say, hey, do something with this. We're not telling you what it's from, but um, make a piece out of this, and then we commission the pieces to be um, composed and recorded them. So. One we'll hear in just a minute is actually was arranged by one of the group members. Uh, oh, which one is that? This is Tomorrow Tomorrow. Yes, that's right. So uh, I'm wondering just about adapting music in general for, for cello. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, the violin is so often the star. Yeah. But no one says, man, I'd sure love to hear 20 violins. I wonder so why how, that is. Why does that work with the I cello? Why, why oh. does it work? <laughs> well, I think we have we have such a large range. I mean, we can get up into the violin's range, and mm -hmm. we can also, you know, go very low. I mean, the same range as the human voice is the cliche you'll usually hear referred to with the cello. So, so it allows us to to you know get all the different parts of the orchestra in one instrument. So, so what's the biggest challenge when you take a piece and you know it's going to be all cello to arrange for? Oh, what is the biggest challenge? Um, 
there, there, there are many, many technical challenges with it. I mean, sometimes with those really high notes, technically playing them really fast is usually difficult for us, and it's easier for a violinist. But luckily, we have players with us today, like Diane and Skip, who can just like nail those high notes, and they're practically playing the violin on the cello for us. So, so we heard that one time you started on some uh, hip-hop arrangements and ended up actually just sort of throwing that out and starting again. We did. We actually recorded a whole record of hip-hop arrangements, and it, it just didn't, it didn't feel right. You know, I mean, hip-hop is, you know, it's the most vibrant musical culture in, in the country, if not the world today. And mm -hmm. um, I, I think it just, we had to go through the process of thinking we could do it and then admitting we couldn't do it and then going back and humbly refiguring it out so <laughs> what a great challenge though so we hear that there's no formal audition process nope do you have to be a portland resident or what gets you in the group look you know send an email and then say hey i'm available and then maybe a couple years later we'll say hey are you still available <laughs> yes i've had no work and here i am yeah that's about that's about what it is but i mean you have to be able to read music you have to you also have a pretty open mind you have to be able to be willing to sit in a tour van for long periods of time. Um, so it's kind of self-selects at a certain point. Well, thank you. This is Doug Jenkins. He's the artistic director of the ensemble. Let's hear that piece we talked about. This was Tomorrow, Tomorrow, which is an Elliott Smith piece. When he, when he was writing this, he actually was handed a 12-string guitar in Nashville tuning. So bass string, some of them taken off, and the octave strings, this strange tuning. And so it's interesting to hear how this is going to be translated to cello by the Portland Cello Project. Thank you. 
Tomorrow, Tomorrow. That's the Portland Cello Project, sung by Elliot Smith. We're going to speak with Diane Chaplin. She's formerly cellist of the Colorado Quartet for 21 years, performed all over the world with that group. She has a Master of Music degree from Juilliard and has conducted music festivals on both the East and West Coasts. And she's coached, conducted, and adjudicated music groups throughout the Portland metro area. And she's usually the lead on anything really incredibly difficult, classically speaking. Think Flight of the Bumblebee, I guess. (laughs) Diane, thank you for being here. You're making me sound pretty good. (laughs) You make yourself sound pretty good. Now, you move from New York. You move Mm to, you change coasts. You change the whole side of the country. And you start playing with the Portland Cello Project. And very soon you find yourself performing with the Panteras, like this well, metal group. Yeah, you know, my, my whole uh, aesthetic of moving to Portland was to not continuing to do what I had been doing. And I was in the classical quartet world for so long, and I really wanted to break out of that, do other things. And so I, I think I've accomplished that really well. Uh, so you're in this concert, co- it's the 20th anniversary tribute concert, Vulgar Display of Power. And the crowd was very different than most classical. It was classical. very different. And, you know, I it was one of the most wonderful and fun things I've ever done in my life. And one, so that was, it's a very heavy metal, uh, screaming kind of thing. I, I, we didn't understand any of the lyrics. The crowd of four or 500 people screamed every lyric the whole time. It was an amazing- <laughs> While you're playing. Um, while we're playing. Um, but one of the things about the whole cello sounding great on everything is, is all of that music, once you get out of whatever those lyrics are, sounds great. And the energy and the drive of the music itself is fantastic on cellos. I'm just trying to imagine that much energy in the room. That's that's exciting. And really, that leads to another question, which is one thing that you do is you reach a whole different demographic than you would if you were the Portland Cello Quartet. Yeah, and I think that's part of the appeal, uh, certainly for us as players, uh, as well as for the audience. And there is certainly that idea that we are going to play things that you don't expect to hear on the cello. We really, really try to, to push that far and to surprise you with the variety. Uh, we're playing a bunch of things today that are a little bit similar because we're, we're focusing on Elliot Smith, but in a normal uh, show by us, you'll hear a change in music every, you know, every time we do a new tune. It'll be classical, it'll be jazz, it'll be hip-hop, heavy metal, all the, all the things. Well, you're also the director of the Rose City Youth Orchestras where <laughs> you conduct youth ensembles and you also do with yeah, the Port- do, Portland Cello Project, yeah, you do school I, concerts. I, right, I, I teach at a, a couple uh, colleges in uh, in Portland, but I am the director of educational outreach, actually, for the Cello Project. And so uh, I help uh, organize and coordinate things that we do that are outreach concerts to uh, school children, usually, uh, for instance, yesterday in, where were we yesterday? Idaho Falls. It's hard <laughs> to keep track. Uh, we played for 700 school kids. We did a... a concert that morning for them and it's just great because we're building audiences of the future really you are and i'm thinking that those people in the for instance the portland or the rose city youth orchestras that they're also going to come out to your concert yeah well hopefully (laughs) we hope they do (laughs) but i think it's really important i think the enrichment to people's lives to expose them to music you know music is one of those basic human expressions all cultures in the world do music in some way, shape, or form, whether banging on sticks or singing songs. Um, everyone has musical expression, but not everyone can do it. They don't, they don't feel like they have a musical soul in them. Mm-hmm. And I think 
for us to perform, we're bringing that to people who maybe can't do it themselves, but for training children or even just playing concerts for, for school kids helps fulfill that, that desire for human beings to have music around them. You know, one of our student producers for one of the radio shows for BYU Radio is from Portland. Oh. And as soon as she heard, she said, I heard them. I heard that they came to my school when I was just a kid, and I love them. Yay. And so you know, you, you've stayed in top of mind for her all, all this time. I want to ask, uh, you said once that you had the good fortune to grow up surrounded by generous teachers and conductors. Mm. Not every student and teacher are still on speaking terms by the end of the career. <laughs> I, I, had an, um, yeah, I had an amazing cello teacher, more than one actually, who gave me lessons for either for free or ridiculous amount of lessons. You know, when you're supposed to be getting your one hour a week mm -hmm. in college would give me three hours a week of lessons that with no compensation. That, that's what I mean by generous. It's just they, so they believed in you or saw yeah. that you were serious about it? Uh, all, of, all of the above. Mm. And, and that they... Uh, we're understanding that an hour a week of, of mentoring for a really talented student isn't enough. And I, I try myself to extend that same courtesy because it's the only way I can pay them back for mm. these teachers that were so generous to me who are all gone now. But so I, you know, I do a certain amount of lessons, either scholarship or totally free and let people come play in my youth orchestra. If they don't have the money, that's okay. They can come play anyway, because I, that's how I give back. That's so. great. I, I think it's pretty clear you also have a lot of fun playing, and I bet that gets passed on as well. Yeah, I, I, I love to play, <laughs> and I love to play in this group. It's like, it, it, it is so fun, and it's fun in a different way. That classical music is fun also, and playing in a serious quartet or playing a recital or something, that's fun, but it's a, it's serious fun. And you have to practice really hard for months before, and you know you, you feel like there's, a, there's an aesthetic of the way it's done, that the great cellists of the past have, have laid down a legacy of this, and we don't have that here. We just, we are the legacy. We're setting the, we're setting the bar, we're setting the legacy, and so that gives us a freedom to, to just play at our best and, and make it ours. That's actually a great introduction to this next song called Between the Bars. And Diane, uh, I'm going to quote her while she's getting in place. She once said, it's a way to express emotions. Talking about playing the cello, there's an emotional release when you play it. It's speaking to people. And the cello is the size of a human body. You hold it. You put your arms around it. It's this thing you take with you everywhere you go. It's like having another person, person with you. Great quote. We're going to hear an Elliott Smith song, one more called Between the Bars.
That's Between the Bars, sung by Elliot Smith. You can hear the group playing that on their album, 2ES. That's for Elliot Smith. And there's a great YouTube video, actually, of that particular song. It's a quartet arrangement, like we just heard, and in some stunning nature settings that uh, I pretty much can't describe. That's why there's video. <laughs> so go check that out. This is not the, fir- the group's first radio gig. They've performed on A Prairie Home Companion with Garrison Keeler. Also, they've been featured on NPR and KEXP in Seattle. Skip Von Kusky, he's improv... improv- help me out. You're good at improvising. <laughs> Improvisatory, that's the word I'm looking for. You're a skilled jazz cellist, and you were also one of the founding members of the Portland Cello Project. Also played with Vagabond Opera in Oregon. I just wanted to ask about this whole opening your mind to new possibilities of what you could do with a cello. Obviously, you had, you had great technical training. And then you found out what a loop pedal was. <laughs> yeah, well, it began even before um, loop pedals really existed. Uh, when I was a teenager, I just I wanted to take the cello where it hadn't been before. And the first thing I uh, rec- learned about were delay pedals. And I could get a two-second delay and play harmony above what I had just played. And that was mm. such a revelation. I just wanted to do it all the time. Um, and then one day, I did discover the loop pedal uh, when another cellist was uh, using one. Um, and that was our colleague Gideon Freudman, uh, and I said, "What is that? And when can I get one?" And, <laughs> and apparently, it was the next day. <laughs> well, uh, we read that you once said you were jealous of guitarists having this big tonal palette, and you were more inspired by Pink Floyd and Robert Fripp than Yo-Yo Ma and Mstislav Rostropovich. Uh, and you know, here we're quoting you from years ago, and, and you could be in a whole different place, but. It seems like you really are. Do you feel like you're still exploring what a cello can do? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, although I would say that uh, that uh, Misha and um, and or Slava and, and uh, Yo-Yo are are equally influential uh, influential on me. Um, and obvi- Yo-Yo has done so many things since uh, those early years when I was looking for something more. Yeah. Um, when I w- was drawn into the tonal palettes of electric guitar players. Um, there's so much that you can do with the cello without effects, and I do believe that the best effects on the cello come from your right hand and your left hand and what you have inside. Mm. Um, but uh, but I still like to put delays and distortions and <laughs> and Well, you performed for a it. while at Cellotronic. Was the, the um, name of absolutely? It's your uh, show what my, you did. my actual website name too, but uh, I still perform under the name Cellotronic, and that that's kind of a blanket term to describe the music I make mm-hmm. um, when I use the loop pedal and uh, and pickups and and just a different uh, a different approach to solo work that makes it feel like ensemble work but it's not quite the same as playing with other real I think we're people. used to seeing lead guitarists have five or six pedals, but this is a new thing to see a cellist with an array like that. Um, well, there, there are quite a few of us out there, um, but uh, everybody does it a little different and looks for a different, uh, a different setup and a different sound. You're always attempting to, to unlock that thing that will inspire you to play something new that you haven't played before. Let me talk about collaboration. Obviously, you collaborate within a group and influence each other and make suggestions. And, but you work with a lot of outside musicians. 
And I don't know if you have a few favorites. One, one that really uh, struck us was working with Buckethead. <laughs> well, um, working with Buckethead was an ensemble experience, and and it was very, um, it, it, there was a separateness to it. I mean, we were still cello project and he was bucket and and uh and you know our paths crossed while we were on stage and mm. his his people talked to us uh uh for him so um but it's hard to talk through the mask or he just <laughs> likes to remain separate i don't think he said a word to us actually or, or anybody as far as i know a purely musical collaboration a purely musical collaboration well are there any other favorite collaborations maybe they've been a little bit more collaborative you'd um, geez, uh, in, in terms of what we do as an ensemble, I, yeah. I've enjoyed all our work, uh, over the years with Laura Gibson. Um, and, uh, I've enjoyed our work with, uh, Patty King, who ends up touring with us a good portion of the time when we, uh, need a singer that our audience will love. Um, <laughs> but I've loved, uh, how Gelb was a, a wonderful collaborator as well. Um, blind pilot, there's more people than I could mention. And I'm sure as I drive away today, I'll remember. Uh, no, that's a good I starter list. I should have list. mentioned all of these other that's people. That's a good starter list. And then we could find the rest online, other places. Well, we want to hear another piece. Uh, the piece is called Denmark. And uh, I don't know how to describe this video, except if you crossed a man with a shrimp, you would get the lead character of this video. And I need to watch it again, because I'm Still not quite sure where he's headed in his self-made rocket ship, but it's totally intriguing. I'm looking forward to hear, hearing this. Denmark, this is by Gideon Freudman, also a member of the group, the Portland Cello Project.
That's Denmark, an original piece by group member Gideon Freudman, the Portland Cello Project. That's from an album called A Thousand Words. You ought to check that out. And the video, yeah, look up the video for that one as well. You know, I like how that builds. Uh, we're talking again with Doug Jenkins, Douglas Jenkins. I like how that builds all those little tasks in the vi video sort of build. We talk about music building, but literally someone is building something and a lot like life. <laughs> it's just right. those little things that add up. And it's that, that's how Gideon composes too. He, I mean, you were speaking with Skip about um, uh -huh. loop, loop pedals. That's something Gideon does a lot, um, and that's how he'll build. That's how he writes the song. So put it into a loop pedal, and so what you're hearing is really the same loop, just bouncing among live players instead of through electronics. So. And it's so nice in the stereo field on a recording to hear it coming from the different places. Very nice. <laughs> I wanted to ask you. You have such an amazing beginning to start. You didn't even pick up the cello till you were a teenager how you guys do all your research you got <laughs> quite a producer it, I think. it's her superpower <laughs> <laughs> yeah that story hasn't gotten out very much but that's true i started i started later so everyone's about 17 or 18 so it would some people say that's too late to really get good at it yes so that's amazing that you just, I, I mean, and, t and teacher, you had, a, you found a great teacher. I was lucky to have really good teachers. I was lucky to have really good teachers. And also to be, <laughs> I don't know how much of the story to tell. Um, I, I, I needed, it was, I was in college and I couldn't really afford college and I needed free rent and, and, or cheap rent. And so um, this woman was very kind to me and basically gave me really inexpensive rent in her house. And she happened to be the principal cellist of the symphony in the town I was living in. And so I basically got free lessons for years daily and she was a she cracked the whip she was a mean teacher and i think if if she wasn't i would not have gotten anywhere i think her her whole so thing there was, was a place for the taskmasters masters there, of the world there can be there can be and it was um you know i think i think her theory of it was he shouldn't be playing this late anyway he's too old so, he, so if he's going to do it he better do it right from the beginning and so i lucked out well we love the story of you taking an old vintage fender amp into eugene's <laughs> buy and sell music center <laughs> yeah. So you, you're what? You're going to pawn this or just sell it? And you end up with a cello. Yeah, that was it. I mean, like I said, it was hard to afford college, and so I had this. Yeah. I was trying to pay rent, <laughs> and so I was like, "Well, maybe I don't need to pay rent this month. Maybe I should get a cello." <laughs> but you had never played it before. You just saw one. Yeah. No. Well, no. I had. I had. When I grew up, I grew up in Honolulu, and um, it was the symphony the rehearsals of the symphony were free every sunday and so you, the public could come in and just could sit down the rehearsals and for me it was i needed a place to escape to and that mm -hmm. ended up being the place i escaped to so i mean i had grown up only listening to classical music and um seeing the symphony every weekend that way and so i and i loved the cello the whole time um like it was always the one that i wanted to play but you know when you're 15 you the wanting to be a punk rocker usually takes some um, precedence to to that first so. things first yes <laughs> <laughs> so have do you ever do that do you ever have an open rehearsal we, I don't think we have, but that's actually a pretty good idea. It's a kind of a cool idea. Yeah. Well, you found a way to fit in with the cello, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, life takes all its strange twists and turns and ended up where it was. So. Well, I want to ask also about, uh, it, it seems like, uh, we also read about you, <laughs> you're going to feel like, what have they examined my life with a microscope? But <laughs> you're an interesting fellow, let me just say that. <laughs> so we were fascinated that you were in grad school. And then thinking, do I even want to do this? Yeah, that's right. That's right. You're not the first grad student to think that. But <laughs> it seems like what you did is you invented the job that didn't exist, that was the job you wanted. I No, I don't think it was. I think I just lucked into it. I think it was just it was something that was happening. There was a lot of people. That, I mean, it wasn't. 
playing the cello this way, playing in rock clubs, it's not a unique thing. I mean, Matt Heimovitz was doing it before we were. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think a lot of it, there was there were a lot of people involved when Cello Project got started. And I, I think everybody kind of was just on the same wavelength. So Okay, you I, totally I, convinced yeah. me you're completely uninteresting. <laughs> Unique mission successful. <laughs> no, thank you so much. Uh, I, the music, the music is so beautiful, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering. You do combinations. We've heard a quartet. The last piece was five players. Mm-hmm. How do you decide that? Usually, it works itself out in rehearsal. Like if something's feeling like there's just too much in one place, or it feels like it needs to have more of an intimate feel, and and we really like that on stage to have that variety of the yeah. bigger versus yeah. smaller ensemble to to give that just you know just to give a different t- change in texture and that kind of thing. So. Good. Well, we're going to hear, we're going to try some classical chops now here to prove these guys really did practice and go to lessons. You can already hear that in their technique. But here is uh, from Bach's Cello Suite Number 1. We'll listen to the Portland Cello Project, and they will perform from that the Saraband.
by Bach. That's his Sarah Band from his first cello suite, performed live just now in studio by the Portland Cello Project. You can find more information about their upcoming concerts and projects online at portlandcelloproject.com. Now, we have six cellists in the studio today, and we've gotten to speak a little bit in depth with, with uh, three, but we can't let them go without speaking with everybody. And Julian, we no time to give you the f full FBI workup here. Oh, but uh, are, oh, is it true? Are you the newest member of the group? That's true. Uh, just a little over a year now. Yes. And so, were you? Was it what you expected? Were you? To, maybe you listened to enough that you knew exactly what to expect. Expect. But were you surprised when by anything when you joined the group? Well, before I joined, I was very impressed with what they were doing. Uh, I was. I was awestruck every time I went to a performance and just so into it. It was so fun to be in the audience. And, and well, I, I am so, I feel so fortunate to now be a part of it. And there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes that I never knew went on. Um, now I know a lot of the workings of how a tour is put together, how much power, how much work goes into it, yeah. how much managerial work goes into it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just playing beautiful music. But uh, beautifully done. Thank you. We also want to speak for just a second. Uh, Let's, uh, this is Sage Coy. Sage, uh, I understand it was not too long ago you graduated from college. Correct. And where did you study music? I, uh, I went to school at Lewis and Clark College, and I actually was a psychology major and then did a music minor. So but you just flipped over. And what made, what made the change for you? Well, you know, I, when, I started, uh, when I started school, I had recently um, kind of felt a little bit burnt out on classical music. I started playing when I was six. Mm. And um, when I got to school, I started just like jamming and playing with friends and it became fun again. And I started taking lessons again, but decided to do the minor because it it made it something that I had to practice and had to be really involved, but it wasn't my primary academic focus, so it didn't become something that I had to do. So it do. sounds like you're still jamming and still having fun. I am, with yeah, the group I'd now. say so. This is a great group to do it with. Oh, thank you for coming in and playing today. It's Thanks been so beautiful to hear us. you play. And finally, we want to get uh, our remaining cellist. And this is Kevin Jackson. And uh, you have to excuse us, we take just a second to make the mic about a foot taller, no, six inches taller. Kevin, thank you too for coming in playing today. Now, I understand you also write music for video games. Uh, for the group, yeah, I arrange a lot of video game music, anime music, movie music. Uh, any favorite games that that have the themes that you've that you love the best growing up and getting exposed to? I mean, they're definitely two different things. When you grew up, there was like eight bit music, so these composers were like working with a really limited yes. scope. So yes. like Mario and Zelda, those were like amazing games to grow up with, and they just ring in your head. But then as you get older, like they get into orchestras like Final Fantasy and all those sorts of music has really come with me my entire life. And it's really great that better music is getting put into games. I mean, it's there's some real skill going into it now, not the who could play something oh, or, yeah. or who could make an endless loop. No, no, they hire full orchestras now. They spend as much as movies do. Yeah, well, I have to confess, me and my two youngest boys went to a recent Zelda orchestra concert, and we, we were cheering there. We were loving it. Right? <laughs> They're good. So, did you start off on the cello? I did. Just right from the beginning, you thought, that's for me. Uh, in the fourth grade, I was the only kid large enough to start on a full-size cello, <laughs> and uh, so that was, like, yeah. Here, dude, play this. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, it's a lot easier to carry now, though. But I have, I have noticed, uh, I took a picture because of all the cello cases that came in today, 
you've got the most stickers. Oh, no, I think you got me confused with Skip. Oh, is Skip the collector? <laughs> yeah, Skip has definitely traveled probably more than all of us. Oh, all of, these, all of these cases have great, great stickers on them, but there's one that's it was like, I think the weight of the stickers is equal to the fiberglass case, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Kevin, thank you so much for coming in. Uh, the, the ensemble we heard today from the Portland Cello Project is Douglas Jenkins, artistic director. We also heard... Skip Fonkuski, Diane Chaplin, Kevin Jackson, Sage Coy, and Julian Kasanovic. And hopefully they'll come back and we'll do a, a longer interview with the, the other three. If you are listening at home if, or if you've just caught part of our show, you'd like to hear the first part, hear it again or share it. It's easy to do. All of our shows are archived online for free on-demand listening at byuradio.org slash highway89. And you can follow us on Twitter at BYUH89 for live show updates and special behind-the-scenes photos and video clips. Highway 89 is a production of BYU Broadcasting in Provo, Utah. The recording engineer is Mark Waite. Our assistant is Abby Horlocker. The show's producer is Jackie Tataishi. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. Thanks for listening. Thank you.